0: Kia ora, New Zealand. Welcome to Sweet Chain Live. My name's Matt Drake. This is episode 90. 90, Brady. We were discussing just before the show about how we're hurtling towards free figures. How are you this evening?
1: I am, well, pretty pretty daunting and, and impressive that we're almost at, at 100 episodes now. I can't even believe... I feel mm. like episode 50 was just like a couple months ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was certainly some time ago. So uh, yeah, so look, we're going to be doing some planning for what the hundredth show. By the looks of it, we're looking ahead on the calendar, and it says that episode ninety nine will be on the twenty second of December. That's the one just before Christmas. We'll then have the week in between Christmas and New Year off because we deserve a holiday, quite frankly. Um, And so the hundredth episode will be our first um, Sunday, uh, Thursday night back. in the new year um so anyway we've got a great show for you tonight um we've got uh levi stout joining us um live from mumbai talk us through the um uh, Twizel, which uh, um happened um at the weekend Moonbase eight um which he took out of course um and then we've got um uh, we're going to go through going to a little dis- discussion on tournament costs something that people have been talking to me a little bit about and uh, and, and uh, both off, on the course and and off the course. Uh, going to look, look at um, payouts, some payout, uh, uh, MPO and um, professional division payouts. Um, we're going to have a little discussion about that. Um, I think the analytics team probably need to do some uh, wider scale analysis before we can have a real in-depth conversation on that. And also, when is an ace not an ace? Something happened over the week that got me thinking about this. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Right. But first, Brady, um, hot scores Takes through the South.
1: Through the South, as ever, starting down at Invercargill. Uh, let's go to Queen's Park and Brenly Marshall coming in at a minus six for the hot round this week. Um, can't wait for those tee pads to dry. Hope those hot scores will come in over summer. Uh, let's go up to Dunedin, Chingford Park. Uh, Sarah Wadsworth comes in with minus seven for the hot round this week. Uh, And over at Brockville, Auckland's own Jackson Sullivan comes in with a minus seven and an ace. Speaking of, I'm pretty sure he picked one up on hole eight, I believe it was this week. So congratulations, Jackson. Uh, Up to Queenstown, the Queenstown Gardens, Ben Dowdy and Brandon getting it done with a minus eight. Um, And over at Tucker's Beach, Arthur Graham comes in with a minus two for the hot round to round out Queenstown. Um, If we go over the crown range into Wanaka, Ely Point has Matt Pritchard and Ollie Webb shooting a minus four for the hot round this week. And Lismore Park, Ryan Cambridge is back on the show, at least by name anyway, uh, with a 12 under par at Lismore for the hot round. Um, Up to the Garden City, Jelly Park, Dwayne Fisher comes in with a 13 under par. Uh, Out at Brooker Ave, Callie Thompson comes in at minus two. Queens Park Reserve sees a trio up the top. So we have Louis Stridham, Zach Taylor, and Patty Padariki-Kaffel coming in at seven under par for the hot round. And to round out the South Island at Warren Park, uh, Willie Tarotna comes in with a 10 under par for the hot round in the Garden City. Uh, Matt, take us through the north.
0: Yes, yeah, so starting in the capital at um, Berenport, it's Francis Orange who hits seven under par at um, the Hills Course in Berenpore. Um Over at Hikoi Koi across the water, Ben Morrison hits five down on the foreshore of a Hardcore Park. Evan Williams. Hits eight under par. That's the second hottest round of this year. Um, So well done to Evan. Uh, Linklater, it's Ephraim Russell who hits seven under par. He's been doing the business. He's filled the top ten at Linklater. Over at Maryland's, it's Jason Mallion who hits four under par. Spar Park belongs to Sean Ashford this week um, with minus one. Um, Up at McLaren's, Quentin Suppers hits plus two. And at Henderson, it's a tie between Henry Pearson and Tim Marshall, um, who take out the hot scores with five under par um, so uh we also had uh moon base eight um took place um last weekend um weekend just gone um and so we're gonna i'll just quickly share the results um with you here before we bring our guest on um oh there we go here we are
1: oh my- yeah, I was gonna say. I heard it was it was quite the battle. Three tied up the top in a three way playoff, I guess, uh, to decide a winner, which it we'll, was, we'll it, talk about in a little bit.
0: And it was it was close. It was close all the way uh, with Levi Jackson and um, Callie Thompson um, all um, tied up um, after the after four rounds. With the three of them then playing off, and Levi taking out the playoff, we'll hear a little bit more about how that happened. Uh, Joseph Berry's always been there or thereabouts, uh, coming in fourth place, and then Jasper Van der Meer and Ethan Stout tied for fifth. Um, further down, um, Haley Flintoff hits uh, the um, hot round amongst the women with uh, five under par. Uh, Tom McKay takes out the MP40 division by quite some distance. Um, that's no, that's you know, that's that's not a mean. Quite an impressive thing to beat Hemio, but by 17 shots. Uh, so well done, Tom. Um, and Sebastian Faulkner takes out the MA1 division by 19 shots over Whoa. um Kyle Barringer and Ben Quinn. Um, we'll see what happens to the rankings um, for, for a bunch of those guys because it's uh, certainly something which, um, which, which is quite an interesting. Quite some in- interesting changes in the rankings, we'll get to that later on. Um, right, so now it's time for our guest at this time, um, which is uh, Levi Stahl. Good evening, Levi. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. How have you been? It's been uh, it's been a little bit of time since uh, since you were last on the show. Yeah, I think we calculated it the other day, and it was like seven months, eight months, something like that. Well, it's it's great to have you back, um, and you're winning tournaments again again
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: Um yeah, good to be at the top. Does anything um,
1: make Moonbase special compared to other wins you've had in the past?
2: Uh it was my first uh divisional defense in open mm-hmm. on a title. So I cuz I won Tucker's 2 years in a row, but that doesn't count because I played junior the first time I uh, won it. So this is my first actual back-to-back.
0: So it's good to check that one off the list. Indeed. Indeed. Um, And um, there was also something a bit special about this one because um, you had to do it in a playoff and a playoff with two other players as well.
2: Yeah. Got a bit tight there on the lead card um, with Jacko and Kelly uh, yeah, it was a really good, really good battle the whole way through. Uh, I think I was behind by about three with five to play. I fought my way back and forced my way into that playoff.
0: Yeah, it was really your round three, um, which uh, which did the business a 1037 rated round, which uh, which we got half right. We uh, we guessed that you would have the hottest round of the weekend, but um, we we underestimated by some 12 rating points. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was really that, f- that third round. Do you find that it takes you time to um, to kind of get into the groove of a tournament? Yeah, um, I think a bit of that is just me
2: not knowing the courses quite well enough. Um hmm. usually I have uh, just one practice round before a tournament, but obviously I'd like that to be more. Um, yeah. So part of it's just getting to know the tournament, uh, the courses and how they're going to play in the tournament. So I can yeah. find I'll play best on my second or third rounds.
0: So. Yeah, the second look just looking through your stats, the second round seems to be the one where that um, uh, that that really kicks it off for you. Yeah.
1: Well, and what would you gain by having an extra practice round? So, like having one gets you to familiarize the course, but you know, like what added bonus would there be to like extra time in the course for you? Like, what would you look to gain out of that extra time?
2: Well, part of it is if there's different conditions, uh, you learn the course and how it plays in all the different conditions. Uh, just knowing the course better in general is a big one. And um, obviously, if you're spending like two days on the course, then you're a bit more used to where you're staying because um, usually the first night when you're somewhere else is a bit rough. Um, so it's just a combination of all that.
1: Well, I was gonna say, does that mean you're gonna be a touring pro here before too long? Have like a little van or RV set up as you travel around the country playing tournaments?
2: That'll be the plan, but
1: <laughs>
2: the picked into Wellington, uh, yeah, Wellington journey might be a bit, a bit far from Invercargill. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a bit of a nightmare trying to get up north in a van. No, I
0: you've been outvoted actually um so that, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not happening um but uh, no so um so it, we, it must have been good to play up against um Jack. Obviously, you've played him many times and you know him uh, very well being a being a teammate on rpm there um uh, had you played much against cali? no first time I've ever played around with him
2: um i you know i know of him because I friends with uh, some of the Christchurch boys. Um, but that was my first time playing with him, and my first round playing with him. What I noticed is that he was just making all his putts and throwing mm-hmm. good drives on the holes that he needed to. So, like you said, that first, uh, the second round where I shot a really hot round, I checked scores after, and Callie had kept up with me, even though I felt like I was smoking everyone. But Callie was just chipping at it, getting the easy birdies and uh, avoiding the bogeys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I played one round with Callie um, Peter Crawford, um a couple of years ago, and he had the the a bag of the oldest looking disks you you've ever seen, but made every circle one part. It was crazy, um, and that's really, especially on a short course like like Peter Kraufa. You um you know that's what you need. Um, so talk talk us through um talk us through your kind of plan between now and major season, which happens in February, because you've got what. November, December, January, plus a couple of weeks, three and a half months until three big tournaments in the space of like 6 weeks. Um yeah. probably got your eyes and there'll be there's other events in between, appreciate that. Um but you've obviously got your eyes on taking out one, two or three of those tournaments. Um what do you what do you do? Um what do, what what did do you do between now uh. and
2: then? Well, obviously, i got exams that are starting in three weeks, something like that. Uh, so i got to keep mum happy and study for those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stay in school. Yeah.
2: But there'll be, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of spare time uh, on exam leave. But the main plan, I imagine, will be up in Manipuri. So we'll be playing Tiana a lot and... My plan will, because we're only playing Heislander, I think, before the nationals, mm-hmm. before majors. So my plan will probably be oh, just do lots and lots of field work.
0: Lots and lots of field work. Yeah. That's I mean, I know, plan. I know it's, I know it sounds boring, but that that's what works, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, just getting form down getting everything feeling smooth and hopefully putting on a few more yards on the throw.
1: Yards sounds like you're talking American already. Yeah. But So now so if you- I kind of have a question coming into national. So like last year, you know, you were like picked as one of the favorites and, you know, like went and we're battling with Jay for the title uh, here in Wellington last year, but ended up the bridesmaid, you know, it came up just short kind of in that last round. Um, You know, like this weekend, and if you look at the string of like your last, what is it, eight events, uh, you are one, two, three, four, five, last five events, uh, you're you're top dog, Uh, you're winning all of them. How do you make sure that you're on top of that podium at nationals come major season uh, rather than just the bridesmaid?
2: Well, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about after nationals, because obviously I was disappointed after nationals. I took some time just to reflect, and thinking back to nationals, I realized that going into nationals, I didn't think I was gonna, didn't think I was gonna win. Had no expectations, and I was looking just to be top three or you know somewhat up there. And even going into the final round, um, Simon, I was still in second, um, so I didn't actually lose any places because I still finished in second. But uh, being at the top. This next season will be harder than it's ever been, uh, just because of the quality of players is constantly increasing, and everyone
1: seems to be throwing. Uh oh. Uh oh. Everyone seems to be throwing and pause.
0: Um, complete the sentence, um, if you will, in the comments. But um, that yes, the Invercargill internet has um disappeared.
1: Must be like Omarama and below. Generation Discall seems to have this same issue, and I know that they're down that way.
0: Indeed. Um, okay. Right. Well. Hopefully, we shall have Levi back um, uh, shortly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there we go. Um, but pretty, pretty impressive, Brady.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like he's coming up in the idea of it's. It's interesting that kind of like mindset plays a. A big thing. Um, and mm. the idea that he said going into that final round, he didn't think he yeah. was going to win. And so when he kind of like comes out of it, um, uh, you know, like, yeah, he, he's like, oh, well, I didn't lose any places. Like I finished in second. And so when you look at it that way, it's like, cool. But you know, a lot of people sitting on the sidelines and I know his mom was one of them. I was there, you know, like on the 18th green and she's like, oh man, I got to go find Levi's discs in the bushes. Otherwise I'm going to have like one, uh terrible toddler as it were um no but you know like the people are wanting him to win and picking him to win um and yeah. so you know like it's interesting to see him kind of talk about mindset already at such a uh, early stage of his career
0: hmm. i think we've got him back so let's let's bring him back to finish the sentence uh there we go um there we are. too many people in the household streaming at the same time is it or yeah something like that i'm a bit far <laughs> from the router
2: as well so a bit of dodgy wi-fi so um said so many players
1: are throwing what this year when it comes to like being up the top
2: they're throwing far um everyone just seems to be put like I say putting on yards and um I used to think of myself as one of the bigger throwers in New Zealand but now some of the up-and-comers especially from Christchurch are just ripping
0: Mm.
1: so what's a big throw in the world of Levi if you're one of the top dogs in distance.
2: Oh. I think in New Zealand the standard to be to throw fire, like I'd consider myself to throw fire, the standard that I'd put on it would be throwing further than about 125. And anything further than one forty in New Zealand is just elite.
0: So we can only think and of about four people that can do that. And and that's like on a regular basis, like on a yeah. flat day, going it going where you want it to, you know, not just slinging it 140 metres from your position, but but actually in the direction you want it to as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: Who are those um, four? Oh. I'm curious. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Oh,
2: the four, I'd definitely say uh, Jacko and Simon have still got it in them. In them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, Barry, he's crushing recently. And... I'm sure there's more, but off the top of my head, I'd go like John Hughes.
1: Ooh, two Christchurch boys, two Auckland boys. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Flexline media coverage of Nelson, um, where both uh, Joe and John are on the are on the lead card, and uh, Joe particularly um, makes that course look like a putting green. It's uh, in t- in terms of the length of the holes, it really um, really is quite astounding.
2: that's something i noticed at twizel because he was on lead card with me uh there was i think there's three like holes that were about 130 meter par threes you know i'm throwing these big uh tall flexes just to get inside the circle and in warm-ups i saw him just throw a hyzer and i'm like ah okay that's cool
0: We've had a challenge from Ben Willake, so uh, so yeah, I, I say next time you're in Christchurch or Queenstown, even, um, then that's uh, that's the that's the challenge there. Um, you touched on earlier, I think, um, about mindset, and it was something that we would we briefly talked about when when your connection dropped. Um, do you did you do you find that you've got to change your mindset this season? Now that there's kind of an like an expectation almost that you're that you're going to win. I mean, you've won the last five tournaments. You finished in the top two in this the whole of this season, uh, whole of this calendar year, I should say. Um, and actually, you have to go back to the fling last October to find a tournament that you didn't either win or place second at. So there's a there's an expectation certainly from the outside. World, and I know we've spoken about it on this show about predicting you to win um, Do you find that that you have to change your expectation um, and how does that then affect elements of your game or do you just block it all out what do you well, I mean what do you do?
2: That's a good question uh, well I ex- obviously expect myself to be um, near the top because I know that if I play to the best of my ability, should i uh, can win um and it's really just about getting there because you know i can't always play your best golf so one of the main things is just uh making sure i'm focusing on the process uh try not to check scores and things like that because that just uh, makes you think about the outcome not the process um, break it down a bit more and it makes it a bit easier just take a shot by shot
0: yeah and i would say what? that that's that, that's a very that's a very mature answer um does there is there a is is there a kind of a a next level to that because if you if you if we were to speak to and let's say let let's i'm, I'm going to exaggerate with the, my choice of player here but let's say we were talking to paul Macbeth about this he would be he'd be saying i i expect to win everything that i enter and i'm always going to play aggressive i'm always going to be trying to go for that win and i fully expect myself to win now there's a difference there between his mindset or at least the mindset i've just described um and and yours and and so do you do you think that that's just two different approaches and the same outcomes capable or do you think that it's it at some point mind that your your mindset will have to elevate elevates perhaps not the right word transition to that um to, to that uh to, to that way of thinking in order to be not just the best in this country but the best in the world well i
2: think paul's a bit of a different situation i think with six world titles you can afford to have that i'm um, the best mindset <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> but i I reckon if you you asked him when he had no world titles, he'd probably have a similar mindset, I I suspect.
2: Well, I'd say that we do have a similar mindset. It's just how it's framed because, like I just said, I know that I have the potential to get to the top. It's just whether I do or not that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about whether I can. I'm worried about how I can. Um, And I think that's something that comes a lot that you will see with Paul on the course because um, if you've listened to him, you'll know that he, him and Ricky and a lot of the other pros, they're always out there looking for the next shot, looking, you know, stepping up to the next tee, right? What do I have to do here to make Verity? Um, so I think breaking it down, it works for me um, mm-hmm. for now. We'll see how it works later.
1: Well, I was going to say like what uh, a lot of people when they're, um actually this is a great question when it comes to winning would you would you rather be out the front do you like that kind of power play of like having a lead or do you prefer that like chip on the shoulder and the like chase someone down
2: from a comfort perspective definitely the lead um but i think it is good sometimes being behind because it just takes a lot of the pressure off you um and i find that i do play better if i have a lead coming out of the gates but that's just that's just something i've noticed um i think i play the worst actually when i'm neck and neck with someone i feel like that's the point where i don't have the comfort and i'm nervous you know it's a bit of the bit of the worst of both worlds um that's what i've noticed in my game anyways
1: So then walk us through, like, Twizel coming down the stretch, like you're in the hunt, you're chasing, you finally, like, catch up to, like, push into the playoff. Uh, Were you third off the box? How'd the playoff go? Like, were you still in chase mode? What was your mentality going into, like, I need to win this. What do I have to do to win?
2: The playoff hole was an interesting one because it was – for people who played it Twizel, it's the slalom hole. So it's a hole where it's basically just straight and fairly wide open, except there's two big trees just stacked like that in the middle of the fairway. And the mandos mean you either have to go right and then left of the trees or left and then right. So the most common play is just a flex forehand. Um, so that – me, Kelly, and Jacko were talking a lot before, and we all knew that that was the playoff hole. Um, so before the actual playoff – we were talking about it, and we all knew that that's the play, and that's how we played it previously. But there was a nasty left to right on it, so any shot that you threw on Anheuser was just going to be smacked down and cut roll and potentially miss the Mandos. So I was second on the tee, uh, I think Jacko was first off the tee, and Jacko. Jacko's shot didn't miss the Mando, but it cut rolled out just short of the Mando. So he had a weird angle to try, um, scramble for a par. Then I threw and I threw another, I threw an all right shot. It was probably circle two, but it was deep circle two. Um, so it wasn't a guaranteed birdie look and then Kelly missed the Mando. So it really didn't go down with a bang it was kind of just oh, I threw an average shot and made par and then Jacko and Kelly made bogey so it was a bit of a bit of a weird playoff
1: cuz would you have rather like parked it and had birdie like what is it what is an ideal playoff look like for you rather than just to, like you won you won the event, like you beat Jackson, which arguably some people will never have that opportunity to like in their career and you beat him in a playoff hole. So like, what's an ideal playoff look like to you? Is there like a certain hole that you're like, Oh, this is amazing. Is it like someone cashes a big putt? Is it someone aces? Like, what is it? What's a good playoff?
2: Well, for me, the best playoff holes would have no OB on them other than natural OB and no mandos on them uh ideally you'd pick a hole that's got a uh, good scoring separation where a, a, the field makes roughly a third birdie third par and third bogey so then there's room to work with if you throw a good shot you're rewarded and if you throw a bad shot then you're not um I th- I do think par four is the way to go that's just my opinion I think par four is just uh create a bit more tension a bit more drama but uh, a middle of the road par four would be ideal for me.
0: Yeah, I guess with a with a par four at least, you have the opportunity to not necessarily be beaten by an average drive. Right? Yeah, so exactly. You can, you can your approach shot can be very good and, and rescue that average drive and still pick up a birdie and not not be not be beaten. Yeah.
1: So, do you have any insider knowledge for like you know? nationals what playoff holes might be in case people are coming down and happen to be tied for the lead
2: no idea to be honest Dang. i haven't even seen the layout for nationals so oh it's uh, i don't i don't know the layouts for nationals yet okay
0: it, it's certainly going to be a tournament that you're going to walk into being one of the favorites given that it's your local course um as well as you know your form um so, I mean, how does, uh, there's nothing like, someone once said to me, there's nothing like your own bed and bog. And, uh, and, and so that'll be quite nice to be able to play a, a tournament such as Nationals and be able to go home afterwards um, and, 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 ha- and, and be in very familiar surroundings in a perhaps somewhat more relaxed atmosphere. We lost yeah, him again. It looks
1: like we might might have frozen again.
0: Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, we'll see if um, Levi comes back. Um, but yeah, so I think going internationals, Levi's got to be favourite at this point. If you if we if we had to if we had to put the odds together now, you'd you'd, you'd have to say he's he's favourite.
1: I don't. I mean. I definitely put him up there. Like, I would. I can't necessarily like rule Jay or Jackson or like Joe out of it. There are some big throwers and big players coming down. Mm. Like, are you? You know, like Levi's. What? What's his power ranking now?
0: Oh, he's first. He's 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 the highest ranked player in the country currently.
1: Yeah. So right. So like theoretically, you know, like yeah. But arguably, it's you know that's still pressure's on. So, you know, like he, mm. like he said, if he's not comfy out the front with a lead, like what's he going to do? Can he stay in the hunt? Can he compete all three days with that pressure on him of I'm the local boy. I'm the young gun. I'm the number one rated player in the country. Can I bring home a national title on my home course?
0: Mm. Mm. Right. we got him back. Um,
1: I was going to say, do you do think we, we should let him answer that?
0: Uh, yeah, I think we should. We've more, we have put more money in the machine and it's back working again um there we go um so uh, i mean we've had a comment from johnny who says par 69 which suggests quite a long course right um you're probably at a par 69 looking at well what do you reckon
1: yeah but invercargill has 88 meter par fours so like
0: yeah no but uh, yeah doesn't really mean yeah, anything on the south
1: island
0: brady i know i joke about um <laughs> the south island par four being an actual thing right like a native animal um but the uh, <laughs> uh, with a with a with a 69 meter a six a par 69 you're probably looking what do you reckon in 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 the in the range of um like four four thousand meters am i am i right there do you reckon? Or am well, I... What
1: was? Uh, it all depends because, like Levi, just do you know how long the course was in Twizel, Levi?
0: Nah, no yeah, idea. We check. Yeah, we can check. Hang on. Talk, talk. It on probably would out. have been
2: eighteen hundred meters, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was, was it was you... pretty. It was pretty spec smack
0: bang on hundred meters. It, 1,600 meters for a par 54. So everything is yeah. a free um, 1,600 meters. So maybe 4,000 is a bit high. Maybe maybe go to 2.5. What was it last Yeah,
1: year? I was going to say, like, Nationals wasn't even a par, like, 69. You know, like, in the idea that was still, like, yeah, 3,000-meter course.
0: Yeah, I mean, so last year it was a par 64, uh, and it's 2,500. So you're probably looking in the region of two six, two seven. I suspect. Oy. Supposedly, yeah.
1: if T.D. Bray Barnesden has anything to say about what the course is going to be, um, we might be able to take his word for it. Yeah. Um, but but he also, um, yeah. Let's let's hope it starts on the right day. So I was going to say, like, are you now? Do you have any aspirations overseas, Levi? Um, you know, like, you're going to go to Australia, are you going to head to the States at all? Like, what's what's next for you? What's your future hold after, after majors in next year?
2: Uh, well, we're either going to Junior Worlds in the States next year or the year after. Um, otherwise, there's not been much point turning down cash so far. <laughs> um, that's the whole point of the amateur status, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that will be the... The closest uh, trip overseas, you might see some fundraising stuff about that, so keep an eye out. Uh, as far as other countries go, don't have anything planned.
0: Certainly, uh, junior worlds will be very exciting. Um, do we know where it, when it, where it, where it is, where whereabouts will you be going?
2: Uh, it's in Peoria, Illinois. So that's oh, the, lovely. they'll lovely. I know one of the courses that they have is Sunset Hills, which is one of the ones that the FPO play. Yep. um, At Ledgestone. But I don't think they have Lake Eureka. Mm. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Excellent. yeah, so look, we it's, it's going to be um, a very interesting time. Um, the summer is your normally a time for playing lots of disc golf. Sounds like you're going to be playing a lot of field work and hopefully doing a lot of studying, passing a lot of exams at the same time because they are important, arguably. <laughs> because they are could be more important than disc golf, but I'll let you other people make the decision on that um the uh no they are um and uh, so look we we wish you the very best of luck levi in uh, both your exams and in your preparations for um uh, the, the big free tournaments next year um and all the ones that you are uh, the heisender in between um and i'm sure we'll we'll talk to you again um uh, a little bit closer to the time sweet i guess i'll leave you for real this time <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just wanted to get my value for money for appearances, you know. Does that one count as three or? Yeah.
1: So, well, I mean, if you've won five in a row, we probably still, yeah, like owe you another two appearances. So, yeah, we'll have to bring you on before Nationals.
0: Hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us, Levi. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Talk to you later. Cheers. See you later. Bye-bye. Um, right. Yeah. So some, some interesting points that, that, that came out of all of that, I think. And, uh, you know, at the moment, if, if I was putting money on it, then, then Levi would be my favorite for, um, for nationals right now. Um, I think given the, given, given what's, what's going on. Um, and you know, even, even if it's, uh, past 73,200 meters, which looks like, uh, um, absolutely insane. Um, I'm kind of glad I'm in MA40 um, for that particular tournament. Um,
1: no. <laughs> You'll still be playing a big horse. I'm stoked. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, sweet. I can finally throw a driver. This is great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Six par fives, eh? Wow. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, anyway, with a few more things that I wanted to have a chat to you about, Brady, uh, this evening. Um, the first mm-hmm. of which, um, and it's come up in the comments. Uh, Levi touched on it just at the end of the um uh, conversation there and that's about pro payouts um Levi pay uh, played mpo this uh, uh they certainly do some of them do uh the the p in mPO stands for professional um and uh, so you i guess if you're playing mpo or any division with a p in it um, you probably expect to take away some cash if you win um, now at Twizel, there was no cash prizes um for the winners here right so the winners of the mpo division it was it was it was definitely was an mpo division it wasn't just called ma1 um because there wasn't any um uh, pro pay uh, it wasn't any cash payouts i mean they could have just bumped everything down right um but no that wasn't the case it was called a professional division and there were no pro pro payouts now i, I there, it has happened in new zealand in the past um i'm sure um, and I'm sure people who um, you can probably remember and there'll be people in the comments who can who can who can tell us as well um, what are your thoughts on this I know that you're a staunch amateur so so what's what are, what are your thoughts do you care or you know is this actually a, a, a not, not a problem but is this a thing
1: um, I would say that it's a, a dying trend a, a passing fad uh, a fad that's that's passed you brought it up just then so like you focused their men's professional, open division right mpo uh you focused specifically on on
0: it's it's mixed professional open sorry to pick you up on that but it's mixed
1: oh is it really
0: yeah it's not men's because it's open to anyone but anyway carry on (laughs)
1: um i stand corrected thank you very much um that's wonderful to hear actually i like that Mm -hmm. a lot um, so, yeah, but you focus specifically on the P, the professional side of, mm. of that division, compared to New Zealand in the past, is focused on the O, the open side. Um, yeah. Largely tournaments of the past. I know that Twizel was run by none other than Martin Galley and Disc Golf Wanaka. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like he's a little bit of that old guard. So, you know, like mostly was probably focused more on the open side of things rather than the professional side of things. Um, you know, like I with the Middle Earth Open, um, you know, like have grown a tournament that have always paid cash prizes. You know, like it started out really small, you know, like the first tournament I ever held, the the, the mixed professional open division, uh, the MPO division paid out. It was one hundred dollars for the winner, um, mm. you know, and then like I. I over time like you grow that and now we're seeing purses that are um you know like fifteen hundred dollars a thousand dollars for the top prize Leave. by turn down a thousand dollars for second at nationals
0: now i've heard a rumor right that the pro purse for nationals in 2023 is twenty dollars.
1: thousand i'm not surprised i've heard they've I mean, had very good support for the event
0: And that's just incredible, right? I mean, what was the, what was the, I mean, I I don't want to make a comparison, but I mean, what was the, what's the purse been in past tournaments? It's been, I I mean, it was, it was like, I think $6,000 at at, at one. I've got the smash results here, actually. No,
1: yeah. So, so Nationals was the biggest. Uh, When I held Nationals in Wellington, it was the biggest at at $6,000 worth of payout. Yeah. Um, Um, On top of prizes and that kind of stuff for every like the event itself was close to what it sounds like they were paying out um, for uh, what's coming up at Nationals. mm, Um, And arguably, like they've had they've had great support like Wellington. It's been a lot harder when it comes to fundraising so far um, to kind of to grow the sport and to like bring in those bigger, especially like cash sponsors. We've had a lot of luck and a lot of tournament directors tend to have better luck getting like kind of merchandise and prize support rather than like payout. Um, So yeah, Yeah. you know, like it's not surprising that some payouts for certain tournaments will be a little bit low. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like some tournament directors are still kind of learning how to budget, so they can't necessarily always uh, budget correctly and budget at a like profit or a way that they can give back to the open division. Um, So yeah, you know, like it's tricky and it'll be interesting. I'm actually looking forward to see um i know johnny ferrari and bray you guys are still in the comments uh is women's payout for nationals going to be the same as men's uh like they did for the disc golf pro tour is that something that you guys are trying to do is that something you care about matt like how do you feel i know that you're a big supporter of like the women's global event how do you feel yeah, when totally, it comes to our totally. national tournaments
0: so uh, just a couple of comments that have come in that i want to address before and i'll get to that one in, in a second first one is 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 zach does pdg have a matrix for payout? yes it does um, and so you can go onto the PDGA website and download a, uh, an Excel calculator. You put in how, many, how much cash you've got. You put in how many play, how many places you want to play out. Typically, it's the top 40%. And then it calculates for you and rounds it to the nearest $5 of how much everybody gets, right? And so that's a, a dead easy way. And if you're at all unsure about how you should do your payouts, do it that way, right? Because, I mean, it, it removes any kind of... A guesswork or like uh, you know it's it's this this and that right and so it, there is a calculator for it um on the pdga website um do i think they should be paid out the same now here's the key right here's the difference um the ladies division is a lot smaller than the men's division right so if you um so if you pay the same amount for the ladies division as you do for the men's division you're still probably going to be paying out the top 40 percent but if you've got four times as many players in the men's division then you're paying out four times as many (coughs) spots which means in the ladies division the equivalent spot is taking home four times the amount in order for it to kind of add up right for the kind of relative position of the person so I'm not sure that that balance is quite is quite correct. Now, of the twenty thousand um, that is rumored for the for for the um, nationals next year, it's difficult to say how much the the winner will take. Um, but I suspect that the of that twenty thousand, the winner will take around about two thousand dollars. I suspect for the for, for the winner. Um, I reckon a, an equivalent amount for the ladies' division, given the size of the division, should should actually should should absolutely be 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 done. I don't think it should. You should lower the amount for any reason other than the size of the division and the people playing, number of people playing. Well, yeah, because that you'd scale the payout for the men's division based on that as well, right? Now, something that's interesting, and you say you mentioned it was a dying trade. I want to just share with you something here, which is the PDGA International Tour Events Standard. So these worth noting these are the international standards right so not the these are the ones that actually apply to New Zealand in the past we've been accused of using the PGA site and then not applying the international standards which are a little bit looser than uh, than the PGA ones but I'll make this a bit bigger so you can see it um on this page and I didn't this is this is new for me because I obviously look at these documents relatively often um but if you have a look at this um Pro payout as a percentage of entry fees, zero percent required, thirty-three percent recommended. Right. So what it's saying is that you add up all the entry fees of the people playing, and for Twizel, um, it was eighty-five dollars each, I think, to to enter. Um, and so for the MPO division, where there was twenty players, um, eighty-five times twenty um, was uh, seventeen hundred. Is that right? Sounds about right. Um, uh, where's my 85 times 20 sounds about right 1700 uh take a third of that um uh, so you've got uh about 560 should be should have been as a minimum paid out um to the players in the top 40 percent of those people at twice so the top five places six people in this case uh levi jackson callie joseph and jasper uh, and then ethan should have received a payout. now whether they accepted or not is 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 different and levi would have obviously said no because he wants to play junior <coughs> world etc. and it would have filtered down however here's the key bit right you'll notice the two little stars on the uh on the end here 33 percent payout of entries will be required at all international c tier events in 2023 so from next year people will not be able to do this what's happened in twizel you will have to pay out 33% of the payout um otherwise you're going you're 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 breaking the pga's tour standards and there will be people who complain i will be one of them um and so the, you, you you will have to factor that any tournament directors will have to factor that into their calculations what's also interesting um, is that the amateur payouts Although amateurs don't get payouts, there is value to the player packs and the prizes that they win. That has to also be thirty-three percent of the entry fees, and this has to be. Uh, and when they talk about value here, and there's a bit about it um, on a on a link, it has to be actual value, not um, potential value. And the difference, I think that they, they, do they call it potential value, or do they call it they do they call it something else? Um, Um, allowable items and then if you go to this, they talk about it's either realized value or potential value. The difference is realized value is like um, 50 bucks off at a pro shop or a t-shirt or a disc, right? An actual thing that you can go, I don't need to spend any money in order to get hold of this, right? Um, Potential value is like 10% off at a shop so if you've got a voucher as a prize for 10% off at a particular shop you have to spend money to realize that benefit that's not actual value and won't be counted as a prize that contributes towards the 33% right you can still give it away as a prize but it wouldn't be something which you could put towards the 33% in order to satisfy that condition of the tour standards Um, so I think that's an interesting thing and an interesting change Um, I think it's probably worth everybody in New Zealand who's thinking about running a tournament to just browse over these international tour standards because these apply to all A, B, C, PDGA tour events in international countries, which is all countries outside the US and Canada, of which New Zealand is one. We don't get a special exemption because we're just here. Um, We don't get a special exemption because we just do it our way and she'll be all right. This is the way you have to do it. So um, it's probably worth anybody who's running a tournament, especially from 2023 onwards, to equate themselves um, with some of the tour standards here. Um, Brady, thoughts?
1: Uh, Well, one thing I need to correct you on is that for C-tier events, you can offer merchandise in place of of cash. And so Levi at Twizel, had he won, could have taken Mm -hmm. merchandise in the form of like, RPM bucks or disc golf Wanaka or Vortica bucks, like whatever you yep. want to call it yep. for the equivalent value. So the idea of, and I've done that at events in the past, a lot of the times for C tier events, I will play the open division because I can take merchandise instead. You know, like I've won heaps of disc golf money. I from RPM from disc shop, from, I walk away with discs and plastic all the time um, for taking merchandise rather than than cash when I do cash it at certain level events. But things like Nationals, Nationals is going to be an A tier. A tier, if you're playing in the open division and you turn down cash, like you said before, it goes to the next uh, one in line, you know, like, and that's what happened at at Nationals last year. It'll be interesting to see what happens at at Nationals this year, because, yeah, like you said, going forward, you're going to have to start paying out down the line and so the idea of yeah you know like tds are going to have to start thinking about do you really want to offer an open division do you really want it an a-tier event to be honest you can have a c-tier event with ten thousand dollars worth of added cash but you could literally keep it c-tier just to keep the handcuffs off when it comes to like what you want to do so you know like Mm -hmm. i'd love to you know host a c-tier event ten thousand dollars extra cash five thousand dollars top prize you know like that you could take in RPM bucks. It's like, sweet, here's your own disc golf course because you won and you're a junior and don't have one in Tayana, like whatever. Um, you know, like, and, and I'd love to see that kind of stuff. And so I definitely think there are hoops that you're going through. And and I do, I do agree with you, you know, like that TDs have to be smarter going forward, but like Martin and Disc Golf Wanaka, like obeyed the rules, followed the rules. There is 0% requirement. So, you know, like if they didn't pay out, they didn't yeah, no. pay out and you can be no, I,
0: upset. I agree. No, I, I agree that they have followed the rules, um, and and I I don't I don't dismiss I don't I don't dis, uh, disagree that they haven't followed the rules. I, I they 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 have. From next year, they won't be able to do that. Um, what they did this year, they will have to offer a pro payout. So that what my point is that there's going to be a transition, and if people thought that there was an expectation, I've certainly had an, enough comments. This um i've had enough comments this week over the payouts or lack thereof at twice that people have made to me um for it to be a worthy of discussion and b to give me a sense that actually people were expecting a pro payout and that it didn't deliver um so i mean whether it was some whether it's something that you should that should have been advertised prior not that it will be necessary to do so in the future but um Um, is is perhaps another thing. Would that have have, uh, influenced whether people wanted to play or not? Don't know.
1: It's also a requirement for B and A tier events that you need to uh, publish what the payouts are going to be prior to the final day. So the idea of like for nationals, I had Mm. to publish. I published, I believe, Saturday night, the night before, what Mm. payouts were going to be for the following day. Um, I'm pretty sure Hayden just did that for Armageddon um, and Toronga. Um, So the idea of, and I suspect that that will happen for nationals going forward, Um, which I was going to say, and this kind of leads us into the next part of the discussion that I know you wanted to talk about. So I'll let you kind of kick it off Mm -hmm. that idea of tournament fees, like registration fees are, to be honest, going through the roof. Like I thought vegetable prices were going up, but like $88 (laughs) for no payout at Twizel. Did they get a player's pack? Like what, what are your thoughts on Players pack perceived value tournament registrations. What are your thoughts? Kick us off on this little discussion here.
0: Yeah, look. So, I'll be honest. I've entered these three majors for next year, and it's expensive. It's expensive to to enter them, and I'm coming from a town in New Zealand that you have to. I have to fly to two of the events. I can drive to the other. Um, but none of them are in my hometown, right? Now, for a lot of people who live in Taupo or Christchurch or Invercargill, the, the costs are going to be a lot lower, or even in Queenstown and Dunedin, because the, their, their um, proximity to those tournaments is a lot less um, or greater. I don't know, whichever way you want to do it. But let's just have a look at the actual um, tournament entry fees for the three big tournaments next year, right? In um, and we'll take the we'll let we'll we'll look at a few case studies here because obviously not everybody plays MPO, Um, so we'll have a look at what it would cost to play MPO and also MA two, okay, which is a division I think a lot of people offer and also a division that a lot of people play in, right? So MPO is one forty in Christchurch. I'm just writing these down so we can add it up and MA one. is is 110 and 110 seems to be the, the, the kind of standard amateur cost and 140 is the standard professional cost that's the uh that's this is the garden city open um then if we go along to the southern smash which uh, is obviously nationals you've got again 140 um for open and 100 for ma2 Obviously, juniors and, and, and uh, et cetera is lower, as you, as you perhaps expect. Um, and finally, at topol the costs are 160 for open, rounding up there, and 130 um for MA2, right? So if I'm an MA2 player, who's starting out and I'm wanting to play these tournaments, the cost of entering the tournaments before I've paid for accommodation, before I've paid for travel, before I've paid for food, before i paid for treating myself to a, a disc and a cap from the pro shop, or whatever, right, um, is $340 if I'm playing in MA2 and $440 if I'm paying mpo for free tournaments okay now question is do i think that represents value what i do think is that i do think it's it's on par with kind of what the pdga would recommend is the um uh is the is is the cost to pay right so it's it's in the PDA, pdga's kind of bracket of costs they reckon that an mpo and ata should pay between 70 and 140 dollars which i think incredibly wide um view but
1: that's also american prices so yeah you know, like, North that American prices like yeah, yeah, like $200, yeah. so, 200 here
0: well yeah but you no know, 70 us dollars is what is about 110 120 new zealand dollars okay. right so it's, yeah. it's it's perhaps towards the lower end of that pdga um recommendation um however yeah i think it's a lot i think it's a lot of money i think it's a lot of money um and I can see that it, it it would it would put people off. However, what I also see is I see these events selling out. So I, I I you know it's 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 the market being what the market does, which is dictating the price that people can charge, right? Um, and it's it it it's it's a fair free market and uh as a as a a result i i think that that's 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 fair i'm a libertarian at heart and so i think yeah if if a tournament director can sell a tournament out for an amount of money then that's the value that people have put on it if other people don't place the same value on it then all right that's that's fine people have got different ideas of what ever what 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 is different values and that's that's totally okay um what i would say is what what really i think needs to happen is i think that there needs to be this kind of intermediate tier that comes into new zealand tournaments these one dayers these smaller weekend events that are in the 50 to 90 dollars range right maybe even maybe even lower for for a one dayer that um, perhaps more accessible, um, are perhaps more catered towards the um, the local player and the MA two MA three divisions, um, so that this i there's there's not this feeling of shit if I want to play a disc golf tournament I've got to shell out 150 bucks because um, that's they're the only ones that that, that exist right um, yeah um, Brady I'm gonna have a read through the comments. Um, what what are your thoughts? Because we've had loads coming through, which is great. But let's let's yeah. let's have no, the comments yeah.
1: are great. And arguably, yeah, we could spend uh, Evan Williams said it correctly. We could spend an entire episode on covering just this, mm. um, you know, like this. Arguably, I have been having this exact conversation with other TDs around the country for yeah. years um, because I'm very interested to see the future uh, of this sport and this idea of People complaining about Twizel. Will will there get a point where players say, I'm not gonna pay that much to attend that event? You know, like will mm-hmm. there'll be events that don't get sold out because the because of courses, because of fees, because of like TDs, you know, like well, there'll be certain events that's like, yeah, I'm just not gonna go to that because I haven't had a good experience with like that TV T D or on that course or with that club. Um, you know, like the idea of like, yes, don't get me wrong, um, like personal experience. I've been running tournaments annually for the last eight years. Like I know what it takes to run good events, you know, and you can run great small budget events, you know, like I've done like what, uh, you know, like what Topor just did, what Taranaki's about to do, like a lot of these kind of smaller entry level events, you know, like that are putting on that are renting out golf courses, which takes so much money, um, you know, like, we're very blessed in Barrenpore that we have a public course that's, you know, a, a little bit cheaper than some of the courses like Hagley Park down south, like Inglewood up north, um, like Topor, uh, that, you know, we can kind of sneak away with lower fees and that kind of stuff. But yeah, like, I kind of wonder when enough is enough. And that idea too, of you're like you. You talked about just then. You you talk about the market. You talk about the player. You talk about that the player is dictating what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yep. I am interested because I do come from both. You know, like I run events and and I pay for events to go to. And so there's that balance of, okay, like what like you said, you know, like oh, a fifty to a ninety dollar event does that become a a does that become a one day event? You know, like, why can't we have a $50 two day event? Why does it have, to, you know, people joke about, and like Chris Kings North, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sure that you've known this and a lot of the old guard and that kind of stuff, you know, people I've been playing with for 10 years. We remember being able to register two days before event, be able to rock up at five o'clock Friday, the day before pay our 20 bucks and play in the event for the weekend. You know, like that was six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years ago that we were able yeah. to do that. And we can't do that now. No. And so like, yeah, you know, like it's interesting that you talk about bringing in this this one day and kind of what generation is doing down south. And it's yeah, I, I do. I am curious. And I think we maybe we should. Evan, I'll, I'll take Evan's advice. Maybe we should dedicate an episode to let's just call it the future of the tour. Bray, you know, like Bray, if you're still listening, maybe we'll bring you on as well. Mr. NZDG will let you put your tour hat on for a little while. Um, you know, I can kind of talk about this, this future and where is it going and who dictates it? Is it the market? Is it the national body? You know, like, is it is it TDs? You know, like, will TDs get fed up and be like, man, I don't want to, you know, sweet, I'm selling out 200 person events for $200 a piece and making heaps of money. But people are getting no value out of it because it's just going mm-hmm. into the pockets of the TD, the golf club, the whatever. Um, you know, like, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, yeah, I think we should break out and, and talk about this more in a future okay. episode.
0: Okay. Because it I it's a I think it's a fantastic um you know, and Evan's absolutely right. We we will spend a whole episode on this. Um Nationals is $140, right? And it's sold out with 260 people have have purchased yep. or have, have played. And in that MPO division, there is 40, is it is it is it 40, 40 people are playing in MPO? Yep. So forty people have played their um Sorry, fifty-five people in MPO have paid their one hundred and forty dollars, and a hundred people have uh, have paid their one hundred and forty dollars um, to play in, in 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 a professional division. Right. So my, I guess my question is: if that's one hundred and sixty bucks, do you get the same sign up? Probably. If it's one hundred and eighty bucks, do you get the same sign up? Do you get the same sign up at two hundred? What about two hundred and fifty? Right. <laughs> Where's the break point? Where at what yep. what where, what point are we at? Right, because there'll be tournament directors out there going, "Well, hold it! If people if people are willing to pay two hundred bucks, why aren't we charging two hundred bucks?" Makes sense, right? You'd you'd see it in retail. You'd see it in 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 other industries. If people are willing to pay it, then that's what people will get charged, is because that's what a free market is, and 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 how value is 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 defined and, and, and priced. Um, so I I I think the I I think it's yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. Let's let's get let's get on to let's get on to that as a separate episode. I'm talking of future episodes. You're going to want to stick around next week. Um, If you've got any interest at all in uh, the wall that's behind me, uh, the wall that was behind Levi um, or any of the discs that might be stowed away somewhere in Brady's flat. Um, (laughs) uh, and, and And you're and you're a bit of a collector. Um, because we've got a special collectors episode coming on next week, um, where we've got some of the um, most learned uh, collectors in New Zealand, um, notably Tom Strawbridge, uh, Henry Pearson, Jay Avante, and Ethan Stout, are all going to be joining us next week. Um, and we're going to have a big conf about collecting discs, what you need to do if you want to be a collector, what to look out for when you're collecting discs, how you should store them, how you should take care of them, what's got value how does, how, 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 what kind of things to look out for, what kind of things to be aware of and, 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 and avoid. Um, and so it should be a lot of fun. Um, there's a couple of whales in that group who have got some very, very nice, um, uh, discs in, in their hand. Um, and they've, um, and I've, I've promised them that they're, and significant others won't be watching, so uh, so they can talk freely
1: about <laughs> the purchase disc. Because, yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking forward to that episode because, one, <laughs> I want to see if you can convince me to buy a disc, not to throw it.
0: Oh, you've got discs that you don't throw, and not because you don't throw them because they're did No, I,
1: didn't, I did not buy them.
0: Oh, okay. Right. You've won them all, been given them. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
1: Correct. So like, i I have certain tournament discs or certain discs from players. I even have throwers that I've had signed that I've now like retired, retired. I guess.
0: Yeah. But, okay. Fair enough.
1: But I haven't okay. bought them. So the idea of buying a disc specifically to collect or display. And I yeah. think we'll we'll have to talk about that next week. I'm looking forward to. It. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, it's that's an easy that's an easy question for me to answer. Right, like right now, right, is that people do it with artwork all the time. People buy paintings and put them up on the wall, and yeah, they, they do that. Well, and paintings have got yeah, I no. Say, maybe other maybe
1: I just need to take Ethan's advice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for significant other. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, anyway, well, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. That's coming up next week. So uh, so make sure you tune in to next week's episode. Now, something which um, happened during the week, right? Um, it's been lovely weather here in Wellington this week. Um, it's It's been, the, the the clocks have gone forward. The evenings have been lovely. And I think it was Tuesday night, I headed down to Pool Crescent Reserve um, for a round of Wainui Disc Golf um on um Dion um Ravody has done a great job down in Paul Crescent in, in building baskets and many of them are um you know uh bike wheels with chains hanging from the spokes that fall into a tire that kind of that kind of that kind of thing anyway it's a it's a it's a lovely course it's quite um it's quite uh technical in places um you don't need a big arm I managed to stroll around and get par relatively easily. So I'm sure that many people watching the show could come down and absolutely tear it up, but that's not my point. Right. Um, it's simply saying the picture. Um, well, I, because I was on my own, right. The person who I was going to play um, disc golf with um, on that evening, um, unfortunately couldn't make it. Um, so I went down on my own <laughs> indeed, sad face. And, uh, and, and so uh, threw a few shots off each tee because that's, what you do when you're on your own and it got to the last hole on hole nine and it's a little 60 meter kind of semi-tunnel you've played down Wainui before Brady I'm sure you know the hole um yeah you have it okay well it's a, it's a it's a kind of a a, a a tunnel you don't want to hyzer out too much because you end up in a bush but you also can't you it's basically dead straight um and it's about like, 60 60 meters something like that Pool Crescent for twenty twenty four nationals, brilliant. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a dead straight shot, and I threw like my sixth disc off the tee, and it hit the tire, which was the basket, right? Um, the with stick. My orbit, with my orbit river, no, 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 it didn't stick because it didn't hit chains. It hit the it hit the cage, basically, right? Okay. And it got me thinking: Is that an ace? If if it had gone in. Right, it needed to be about a foot higher. It was dead center, but it needed to be about a foot higher. Right, if that had gone in, is that an ace? Because like, it was the sixth shot that I'd I'd already sprayed it all over the fairway. Right, but this sixth one happened to go straight down the middle, um, and then it and and then it it hit the cage. But had it got had it gone in? And I was thinking to myself, no one was there to watch it. No one saw it um not even any kind of passers-by or dog walkers or anything so i couldn't you know i would have just been a silly man in the field going crazy but like is an ace it, it, it is that an ace because i've shot it off my sick throw what are your thoughts on this because i was kind of thinking
1: well then there's that question yeah, no, of know it didn't eight. go in
0: it doesn't count if it doesn't go in yet now i get that i'm not disputing <laughs> that but i'm saying if it had gone in right let's say it had been a foot higher and hit chains and gone in and landed and been supported by the chains or the basket and et cetera. Is it an ACE because.
1: Well, yeah. first off I, I do have to point out that you are getting trolled on your own show by, wife, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. which is incredible. So all the viewers out there, so, you know, <laughs> this is Matt's wife, leaving a comment, trolling him on his own, not ACE <laughs> yeah. um, on his local course. Um, so now that that's out of the way, like, yeah, yeah okay. I would call it an ace. So, you know, like, because here's, because I've had that actually happen in a tournament before. Um, you
0: six throw off the tee. What did you go OB or what?
1: Uh <laughs> Yeah, so, like, right. And so that's, I might call that six throw a hole in one rather than an ace because it wasn't your first throw and, like, it wasn't, right. like, a tournament round. But, yeah, okay. so I was playing a tournament in Tomor um, hole five, uh, which is very notorious, has been around for a long time. Where basically the T is right next to a fence line. You have fence line running the entire like length of the hole.
0: Where mm. basically
1: you throw directly out of bounds if you're right hand backhand thrower, backhand hyzer coming at the basket. Mm. So if you throw it out of bounds, you pretty much move up, have terrible footing. You're right next to the fence, so it's a, a terrible place to take your out of bounds from. So rather than I had a player on my card, uh, yeah. this was. Seat Van Vliet um, from Waiheke Island, for anyone who remembers. And and this is the best circle three I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, he throws pretty much straight out of bounds, never comes back in, finishes around pin high. Says, I don't want to play along the fence. That's a bad thing. I'm going to abandon that throw, and I'm going to re-tee for three. Throws Mm -hmm. the same shot a little bit higher, comes back, heart of the chains, smash. Best circle three I've ever seen. So his second shot off of the tee for a circle mm-hmm. three was a hole-in-one. Is that a fairway ace? Is that like a circle? Like technically on the card, it's a circle three. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you could argue par. that it's a, a great hole-in-one.
0: Yeah. Good par. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. look, um, I was thinking to myself, it can't. Care. But this, it's different. Is it different in tournament or just sort of me trozzling around on, on, on my local course? I don't know. Well, uh, like a
1: lot of the times – so ben brings it up and i know that that's a south island thing that's come you know like the the bag ace as it were so you know like you're out for a practice round you're throwing heaps of shots you hit one of your spare shots you know what i mean a Mm. bag ace, same as like a field of a fairway ace right of like when you throw it in from like outside 50 meters yeah but
0: that's just a good throw in that i don't think that that's a fairway ace is just a a way of trying to convince yourself that a, a throw-in was anything better than a throw-in and, and generally it doesn't need to be because throwing it in from any distance outside circle two is is, is magnificent so like I don't know why that's a thing um, I don't think it is an ace I, I, like, I, I mean I don't know what you describe, but for me an ace is you walk up to the tee it's your first shot off that tee and it can be a practice round it can be a tournament round it can be whatever and it's your first shot off the tee and it goes in and it can hit trees, it can skip, it can do whatever... You know, you can't have a kid come and pick it and drop it in. That doesn't count. But, like, <laughs> if it naturally goes in, um, then I, I think that that counts. That's an ace, right? If I'm throwing it, like, my sick throw, then no, I, I don't think that is an ace. I'm not... Well, I, what I'm about not, a
1: black I'm, ace, then?
0: Well, a black ace is a black ace. It's, a, it's, an, it's a, a... And it doesn't hold the same... I mean, you're not you're not... You're not not, um, flooding to Instagram to post about your black ace, are you? I mean, no one's doing that because often it means you've shanked your drive. Um, No,
1: heaps of people are doing that at USDGC
0: because Joel they throw... Freeman
1: and Bradley Williams both hit a black ace on the tunnel hole at USDGC because the FPO pin was in place during the practice day that they both aced on the FPO pin, even though they were MPO uh, playing yeah. to the MPO. Yeah,
0: pin. But okay, but like most most black aces are because you've hit the wrong basket on a on a hole that's coming back in the opposite direction, right? For example, hole sevens pin um on, uh, hole sevens basket of. Uh, a koi koi from the tee pad of hole two right a shank means you're going towards that 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 basket Now, i'm not posting about that when i get home that doesn't count right um so i i don't i i think i think it's got to be your first shot so i'm calling it here now right anyone comes to me and says oh yeah i got an ace and all their bag is on the floor like all around the basket Nah, 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 don't count got to be your first throw for me um black ace is a black ace if it's on a a, a different basket otherwise you just hit something in the court, in the middle of the field um and so yeah i mean it that's that's how i see it i don't
1: so are you saying just, a bag ace needs to go into room 101 is that what you're saying
0: oh that's a very good point maybe maybe well, we're gonna we're gonna revisit room 101 um at, at another time in the future i enjoyed that um and yeah. maybe maybe it should it should go in a bag ace Yes. Yeah, especially when it's especially when people post it and sit there and like whatever um i, I think that's, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's quite amusing. I think you you should know if you hit it. That I mean, obviously, and the reason I bring this <laughs> reason bring this up there was four aces at Twizel, if you will believe four aces um, in one tournament at Twizel. I'm just going to get the.
1: uh It's the South Island. They're 100 meter holes. It's fine.
0: It's what happens. <laughs> these all these South Island par fours. Yeah, that was an albatross on each one of them. So um, <laughs> they did very well. um, no, so. Um, But yeah, four aces. Dave Keene got one. Roberts Crastin's got one. Um, Russell King got one and someone else got one. Someone remind me who the fourth person was who got one. Um, I just, I've got it here. If someone in the comments can beat me to it, then, uh, then go for it. Uh, Sean Brown, uh, hole seven. Um, so well done done. four players hit aces at the weekend which is actually i mean yeah it was a short course right it's a short course um 1600 meters over 18 holes is 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 pretty short um right where are we we
1: upcoming events or power rankings we need to get to any changes yeah
0: we do um let's yeah so let's um we need to do this then we need to do this and let's go to upcoming events Um, and power rankings, which have been updated and I've got a little bit of an update for you on this. So, uh, um, which will be very exciting for everybody. I'm sure because it's something that's been, um, very much requested. Uh, but here we go. Upcoming events, um, for, um, next few weeks. Uh, Bethel's is this weekend, um, up in Auckland, um, Brady, in this one, Simon and Jackson go head to head once again. Callie Thompson uh, makes the trip up from Christchurch, um, and Anthony Rogers is back in the country. So um, a pretty relatively stacked field. You've also got um, Henry Pearson and uh, Philippe Shinsel, who could also do some work, and Chris Sinai is also uh, heading up from Wellington. So there's a there's a relatively strong um, MPO field um, that, that's playing in MA one. Nicholas Goldner. Um, who played very well in Nelson. Uh, Ethan Taylor's got quite the arm, uh, local from um, Auckland in MA1. Um, uh, uh, Josh Pratt and Steve Brown-Hawk also been playing very well recently. And let's not forget Mike Foley, who played um, very well in Topor. Um, and in Todonga. FA1... Uh, Rotorua, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, Todonga. You're right. Absolutely right. <laughs> sorry. I'm, very I'm confusing myself. Um, in FA1, Paula Wilson takes on uh, Amy Whitmore and Wellington's Michaela Kerr, so best of luck to them. Um, a very Auckland-heavy MA40 division um, that all look to be relatively similarly rated, so that could be quite a good battle, um, and uh, similar could be said for um ma2 almost entirely auckland um ma2 division so uh so yeah looks like it's going to be a good event um up in um auckland this weekend at Bethel's probably still spaces left if you want to get involved um then speak to mike foley uh, who's on the chat now and he can hook you up uh next week is Wahitapu tapu in lake Ohau and that's that's been sold out then it's the bros for change charity classic drew gibson playing in Christchurch for that weekend after that is Wellington's Faultline Fury in the Tamuka Tussle. Um De at the Lake in Tianao is the weekend after that, and then the Christchurch Fling rounds out the year. Um, the tickets for the Christchurch Fling go on sale in um, 10 days' time. Uh, into the new year, and it's Egg Monster and the Roxburgh Open, and then we come to some of the biggest events of the year, not least, the Wellington Centurion. Um, in terms of biggest events it's probably the biggest event actually um in terms of holes played um and then Heisender. and then um the three big ones at the end of um the summer um and finally we're going to go into um the rankings There's been a small change in the ladies division. So Eilish Kumak jumps up one space ahead of Charlotte Dunkley to take third spot. And Echo Lee uh, climbs six spaces up to 11th in the MPO division. Callie Thompson uh, is up 16 spots to seventh place following his tie for second place. Uh, And Sebastian Faulkner, who took out, um, I think it was fourth overall, uh, climbs fourteen spaces to seventeen. Um, Kyle Barringer, who finished second place in MA1 over the weekend, climbed one hundred spots from one hundred forty seventh to forty seventh. So congratulations to Kyle Barringer. Now, something which uh, has been requested many times um, on the uh, on uh, from people about um, uh, rankings is: Hey, can we see our rankings when it's not on the um, when they're not. You know, not on a Thursday night, not on the show. And the answer now is, of course, yes, right? So what you need to do, you need to head over to sweetchairmusic.co.nz. It looks a little bit like this. You need to head over to the menu bar and hit Power Rankings. And when you do, it will take you to the New Zealand Power Rankings. From here, you can select any number of entries. So you can select the top 100 if you want and go all the way down to see your name and hit next. And this covers all 213 players who currently are form part of the rankings you can search for your name if you can't find it um and you can find out where you're positioned
1: and- oh got- man moved up one let's go did.
0: and yeah and, and uh and you can search for the um ladies um and um men uh mpo divisions from there search to your heart's content um and so i'll leave you all to go crazy on that so um yeah quite a requested um feature of the uh, rankings um so yeah we update those after every um tour event so uh so yeah right um collectors episode next week uh this weekend anything else to cover brady
1: Oh, well, I don't think so. I think we've covered quite a bit. We got more episodes uh on the books now, you know, going to have to have a uh a a future tour event event. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll should be good.
0: We'll certainly look forward to that, but wherever you're playing disc golf, uh take it easy, play well, get some birdies, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.